Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Let's pray, Father. We thank you so much for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to come before you into your presence. Lord, as we come this day, we continue to worship you. We continue to put our focus upon you, Lord, and we continue to thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. Father, we ask that you will speak to our hearts, let everything else be taken away from our minds so that we might put our attention onto you and what you have to say to us. May we respond in obedience. And Lord, we just ask for your presence right now as we continue in your presence to worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Most of us know what it is like to feel discouragement. We know what it's like to be disillusioned. We know what it's like to feel distressed or to feel disenchanted. We know what it's like to feel depression. And the reason why we go through these emotions is because of life, because of the things that happen in life, because of the circumstances that come up in our lives. And those circumstances are brought on because of sin. Those circumstances are brought on from words that people might say or from actions that people have toward us. No matter what it is, we're able to know what discouragement and depression feels like. So did the disciples. The disciples were feeling depressed and discouraged, disenchanted, disillusioned. They were feeling all those emotions. Why? Jesus had told them that he was going to die. Jesus had told them all along since the beginning of his ministry that he would have to die. But it's come close to the time that he had to fulfill that. Jesus also had told them that one of them was going to deny him. Jesus had told them that one of them was going to desert him. Jesus had told them that Peter was going to disown him. They were going through all these emotions because of what Jesus had said. And Jesus also told them that the devil was going to be after them. So they were going through these emotions. And Jesus knew that he had to give them some hope. He had to leave them with some hope because it was going to be soon that he would not be present anymore. So we come into John 14. And Jesus had some things to say. And we see Jesus begins to tell his disciples, and they were probably up in the upper room. We don't know exactly where they were, but it appears that they were in the upper room. And the first thing that Jesus says is, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now, look at where Jesus goes here. Jesus goes right to the heart of the matter. He knows what they're feeling. He knows what they're going to be dealing with, and he needs to give them hope. And the first thing he does is goes to their heart because that's where they live. That's where our being is. Our being is in our heart. That's where we exist, the soul. 
We, we exist in there. Everything comes out of the soul. Jesus goes right to the heart, and he says, listen, guys, let not your heart be troubled. But then he gives them why. He gives them a prescription on what to take to help them deal with where they're at emotionally. And he says, he says trust in God. Now, this is amazing to me because here's Jesus telling them to trust in God. Remember, Jesus is in his flesh. Jesus himself is trusting in God. Who's he trusting in? He's trusting in God the Father. Jesus knows what it is to trust in the Father because him and his Father were linked together. Him and his Father has always had a relationship. Him and his father had always been together in terms of everything that they did. So Jesus is aware of the father's desire. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, not only trust in God, but trust also in me. Jesus is the revelation of God in flesh. So we see Jesus in his flesh telling them that here's the solution of dealing with your troubles that exist in your soul, you need to trust in God. And then on top of that, he says, you can trust in me, and I know what I'm saying because I was with the Father, I know what the Father desires, and right now, in time and space, I am with you so you can take it to the bank that what comes out of my mouth is the truth, and I'm telling you that through me, you're able to also attach to the Father. That's what he's telling them. So he's telling them what he knows. you got to trust in me. Now, isn't it interesting that he says, trust in me? Well, what do you got to trust in? You got, what Jesus is saying is you have to have, listen, guys, you should know what it is to have a relationship with me. I've been walking with you for the, almost three years now. You should know what it is to know me. And Jesus is saying, I've been telling you what I've been going to do for you. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I came here specifically for y'all. And I want you to know that you can trust me in what I'm saying because you know what? The Father has sent me. I came directly from the Father. See, the reality is that nobody knows but Jesus about the Father. Him and the Father had always been in existence. So who's best to tell us the desire of the Father and what the Father wants outside of Jesus? Nobody. And isn't it interesting that God, that, that Jesus in flesh calls him his father? We're going to get to that in a minute. Front. But the reality is you got to trust in me. You got to trust in me and what I'm getting ready to do. And what is that? The finished work of the cross. See, once I go to the cross, all the work that I've done here, it's going to be finished. That's what I've been trying to tell you. And so this is what he's telling the disciples. So, so notice the topic today that we're talking about. It, it's, the, it's Jesus, the Father, and the Counselor. That's what we're talking about today. And so as we look in the text, it continues. Jesus goes on and says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back 
and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus, what, what, what on earth are you talking about? How, how do I get hope from that? Jesus is. First, Jesus says, trust in God. That's the first thing. He says, trust in God, because I'm trusting in God. I'm giving you an example of what it is to trust in God. I'm living it out for you, before you, disciples. How what it is to trust in God. You got to trust in me. See, I'm the, I'm the flesh. I'm, I'm in flesh. You can see me and what I'm doing. You can trust what I'm doing. You can, you can bank on it. That's the second thing. So we got to trust in Jesus and the finished work that he does. But then Jesus goes somewhere else. He says, in my father's house. What's he talking about? Where does the father live? The father lives in heaven. And Jesus is letting them know, listen, I, I, I got to go back home. My home is with the father. The father lives in heaven. And I know because I came from heaven what's there. And I know that in heaven where my father lives, there are rooms there. And I need to go back because I want to prepare those rooms for you, disciples. That's what he's telling his disciples. So he's giving them comfort by letting them know, listen, in your troubles right now, where you're at emotionally, what you have to do is you got to trust in God. You got to continue to trust in God in the midst of your troubles. That's where you're going to find comfort at. And he, then he lets them know that, listen, it's only going to be temporary because I am going. The reason I got to go is I'm going to be pre preparing a place for you where you're going to ultimately live to be with me. He's giving them hope and comfort. Well, how's their hope and where I'm going? That lets us know that where we're at now is only going to be temporary. See, that some point in our lives, this stuff is going to end. We don't have to deal with discouragement anymore. We won't have to deal with being disillusioned. We won't have to deal with hurts and pains and everything that we deal with in our soul, which is emotional. I won't have to be bothered with people talking about me and picking on me and doing things to me. I don't have to worry about family members going out getting drunk and getting high. And I don't have to worry about all that stuff anymore, how I worry about my sons and my daughters and what they're doing. No, I don't have to worry about that stuff no more. It's all going to be gone. Why? Because I want to be living somewhere in the presence of the Father that Jesus is preparing for us to live. That's what he's saying to his disciples but then there's something else. Notice what he does. He says there's, there's hope for Jesus' return. Listen, when I go, I'm going to come back for you. You don't have to worry about that. I want to come back for you. It's, it's just like when somebody leaves, well, well, well I got to go now, and I'm going to prepare for where you ultimately going to be. When you get a new job in another city, um, I'm sorry, wife, but I can't take you right now, but I got to go. I'm going to get everything situated so that about ten, six months from now, I, we be on bought the house, we be on got everything together, and then I'm going to have you and the family come. It's kind of what Jesus is doing. I got to go prepare everything for you because ultimately you're going to be with me. Jesus is letting, know, letting them know that. That's where the hope is. But then there's something else. 
Jesus says, when I come back, I'm going to take you with me. That's a guarantee. Yo, disciples, I'm coming back for you, and you're going to come with me. And where I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the presence of my father. And guess what? That means you're going to be in the presence of my father, too, because through me, that's how you get to the father. And see, this is where he goes next, because what happens next is that one of the disciples, who's Thomas, he says this. He asked a question. And you know, it's okay to ask Jesus a question. It's okay to question God. God has no problem with us questioning him. We're always questioning God. God, why this? Why that? Why do you got to do this? The key in getting an answer and understanding his answer is the position that you find yourself. That's the key. Where do we find ourselves? Somewhere in the scripture, it talks about that God cannot hear our prayer if we're in sin, which means practicing sin. God doesn't hear it. The only prayer he's going to hear at that point is, is to be able to hear us repenting, which brings us back into fellowship. When we are practicing sin, we are out of fellowship with God if we are believers. And so God has a problem here in our prayer. How can you say that? Well, even first Peter lets us know that in chapter 3, because what does he say there? He lets us know, listen, husbands, if you're not right, if you're in sin with your wife, guess what? I don't even hear you. I don't say that. The Bible says that. We just got to know it. And that's what it says. So Jesus is aware of the fact that we're going to ask questions. And Jesus wants to answer, and he does. Look at what he says. Thomas says this. He says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Thomas, what have I been telling you the whole time? What do you mean you don't know the way? I've been telling you what's been going on. I've been letting you know, Thomas, that I'm going to have to die. I've been letting all of you disciples know I'm going to have to die. But also, I, I also didn't I tell you, though, something else? I told you that I have to return to the Father. I can't stay here. I have to go to the Father. Now, here's where Jesus, because of the question that he was just asked, goes into the fact that he's the only way. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Okay, Jesus, what? Thomas, I'm the way. Wait a minute. Didn't we just hear? Didn't Jesus say I'm the bread of life? Didn't Jesus say I'm the light of the world? Jesus say I'm the door for the sheep? Didn't Jesus say I'm the good shepherd? Didn't Jesus just tell Martha and Mary I am the resurrection? Now he's saying, this is the sixth I am. He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he's going to give another I am, which says, I am the true vine. But wait a minute. Wait the Old Testament with Moses. Didn't we see Jesus there? 
when the, the burning bush experience with, with Moses, and he says, who should I say I, who should I tell Pharaoh who sent me? Tell him I am. Who you think was saying that? It was Jesus. Jesus confirms the fact that he was I am by letting us know who he is in the New Testament. I am. That's who it is. And so he's telling them, he's saying, I am the way. The way to what? You got to come through me in order to get to the Father. Why does it, it's so simple and yet people don't want to believe it. No, you can't get to God any other way. No, you can't through any religion. No, you can't. Jesus himself, who would know because he came from heaven, he was with the Father. The Father had sent him. We got to do it the Father's way. Jesus, who's the revelation of God, God himself living in Jesus, giving us information that the only way to get to God is through him because he's the mediator between God and man. I'm the way. And he says, not only am I the way, I'm the truth. The truth is reality. I am reality. See, we live out of reality. We live out of reality because we don't want to accept the truth of the word of God. Jesus is the revelation of truth. Anything that he says comes out of him is truth. Truth is coming out of him right now because he is the truth. And so we see Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, but I'm also life. So, so you're telling me people who don't know Jesus that, that they don't have life? Yeah, that's, what, that's what's being said. If Jesus is life and people don't have life, why? Because life is found in God. But, but, but what do you mean? I'm living, aren't I? Yeah, you're living. You are a creation of God. But when man fell, guess what? We became sinful people. Sin is imputed in our lives because of what happened in the garden. And now, in order to get back into fellowship and relationship with God, we got to go through Jesus. Well, why should I believe that? Because Jesus said it came from the Father. That's what the Father desires. Well, why should I believe Jesus? See, that's where the problem is. People don't want to believe Jesus. And that means they don't believe that he's the truth. That's the problem. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And the only way you can get to me is through the Father. And Sam, now they get caught up. So Philip comes in. And Phil, what does Philip say? Philip says, oh, Lord, Lord uh, wait a minute, uh, I, I, I'm missing something. Um, Lord, uh, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Now, Philip wants to see a manifestation. He wants to see a theophany. He wants to see an appearance. Can we, just, can we go to a mountain and, and, and see if, where's God at? you always praying on a mountain. Is that where you go to meet him? Jesus, can you take us to that mountain where you go so we can meet God? We, we, we want to meet the Father. See, see, in the Old Testament, that's what they did. They would meet God on the mountain. You know, Elijah, Moses, Jacob, Ezekiel, 
All those guys, they would go meet God on the mountain. Gideon, they, they would set up, and they would set up something before God, and they would meet God on the mountain. Jesus is saying, no, no, you, you're missing a point, man. No, no. Listen, listen to what I'm saying, Philip. You don't need all that. And then he goes, don't you know me? Don't, don't you know me? Philip, I've been, I've been with you for three years. You don't know me yet? Do you ever ask that question to some people? Listen, you've been knowing me for nine years. And I mess up one time and, and you, you want to disown me. Really? Don't you know me? Don't you know me? Kids, you know your parents. You know that they love you, but, but you, you know, you get all, you think you know everything at 10 years old. Because you've been living longer, even though they're 20 years older than you. Somehow, miraculously, you know more. Now, the only person I knew who knew more than the people sitting in front of him was Jesus, because at 12 years old, he's, he's actually having a conversation with those who think they know him. At 12 years old, why? Because he was living and existing before they were even born. Matter of fact, he created the one sitting in front of them. And Jesus says, listen, anyone who has seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on in the, the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Oh my goodness. You know that I could sit right on this for another hour. But I realize I can't do that. But just to sum what he's saying is this, up what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I and the Father are one. How? He's talking about essence. Essence. What is essence? He's talking about nature. The nature of God is not, is in him, in Jesus. The nature of God is in him. The character of God, the attributes of God is in him. The perfection of God is in him. Everything is in him. It's, the, it's his nature. It's his character. It's his sub, it's substance. All of that is in God. So when we see Jesus and he's telling the disciples, listen, you are seeing the Father. You see it because the Father is being revealed in me. Why? Because the Father's in me. And when you see the Father, you see in Jesus. Because of essence, 
That's the three in one. That's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three in one. In essence, they all have the same attributes. They all have the same substance, the same nature. It's all in them. Three persons, not manifestation. See, you listen to some stuff on the radio. They talk about Jesus manifests or God manifests himself. No, that's not what's happening there. It's not a manifestation of God. We see God. They're all God. And Jesus is verifying it for us. That's why he's talking the way that he's talking. And so he says, if you see me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Let's go back in the Old Testament. Isaiah 9.9, what does it say? We remember it. We hear it all the time. For unto us a child is given. For unto us. A son is born, a child is born. And then what does it say? It lets us know that, wait a minute, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prophecy before he's even here. Letting us know, wait a minute, Jesus, who's being prophesied about, is the Everlasting Father. Right there. Christmas time. The everlasting father right there as a baby. Mighty God right there as a baby. Prince of peace right there as a baby. Right here. Jesus let us know that. Because right here we see him and what he's saying that he's telling us everything that Isaiah was prophesying. <laughs> He's the father. Oh, man, I wish I could stay on this. But anyway, I got to move along because I got to get you all out of here, right? Okay, so, so then what did, where does, look where Jesus go. Jesus lets them know that, wait a minute, you're going to do greater things. I don't want to get it. What does he mean by greater things? What he means by greater things is that Jesus is restricted because of flesh. But he has to go back to the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come. The Father is going to be the one who sends the Holy Spirit for the purpose of the extension of Jesus because now through the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be everywhere and not restricted in flesh. That's why, God, that's why Jesus has to go back to the Father because his ministry here on earth is going to be over. And now the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who was involved in ministry already, but for us it was going to be different because in the Old Testament, the Spirit was only with people and would come upon them, but the Holy Spirit did not live in people. And now because of Jesus going back home to the Father, Holy Spirit now is going to take the place of Jesus, but he's going to be able to be present in the believer and also the Father present too at the same time. How do I know that? Because he's going to say it. Let's move along. He says this, you're going to be able to do greater things, but then he also lets us know that when I leave here, that there's going to be someone else coming. That's going to be the Holy Spirit. But he, he, he makes a little transition. Jesus says this. He says, if you love me, 
If you love me, you will obey what I command. Uh Uh-oh. That seems to be conditional. What you talking about, Jesus? (laughs) He says, he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Here's what he's talking about. What does it mean to love Jesus? See, that's the question we have to ask. What does it mean to love Jesus? An unbeliever, when they experience being born again, is indicating that they're loving Jesus. When the unbeliever comes to the point of decision of saying, I invite Jesus into my life. Now, isn't it interesting? I didn't use the term heart, did I? I invite Jesus into my heart, into my life. Here's what that means. When I invite Jesus into my house, into my life, that's like inviting someone into your house, Mr. Hospitality. <laughs> he invites somebody into his house and say his name is Jesus. Or that, no, say his name is Jesus. Jesus come in, he's going to sit down, and and he's going to say, here's some lemonade, Jesus, and can I get you something else? I want to make you feel comfortable. I I want my house to be inviting. That's what happens, right? But Jesus is going to leave that house, and he's going to go somewhere else. But Jesus, not Jesus, I invite Jesus into my house Jesus is going to come in and take up residence. Jesus is going to come in and say, hmm, you know what? I don't like this furniture. Get rid of this. What, what you doing, Jesus? It's my house. Yeah, no, not anymore. See, that's what this is talking about. See, when we love Jesus... When we give our life to Jesus, it's like inviting Jesus into our home, and then we're turning our home completely over to him. And we have given him permission to go in every room. Oh, no, no, Jesus, don't go into this closet. (laughs) No, don't go into this closet. I don't want you to see what's behind this door. Jesus says, open the door. Do I have to? Oh, Jesus, you don't want to. I know what's in there already. Didn't I not love you anyway? See, y'all, look at this. Look at this. See, he, no, no. He, he, his love has already been moved toward us even when we were yet sinners. That's why he died. And look at what he does. He says, listen, I, you need more than that. See, I, I am the answer to all your troubles. I'm the answer to everything that you're dealing with. Can't you see that? I love y'all. Will you just let me in and let me rearrange and remodel your house for you? <laughs> That's all. But no. Uh-uh. No. I like what's in the basement. The basement is toxic. You know how you put stuff in your basement? 
or your garage. All you have to do is take a match. Boom. That's like our lives, isn't it? We just store stuff up and think it's okay. And then we come to church to get a little Jesus. But we won't turn our lives over to Jesus. Because Jesus wants to have total control. Loving Jesus is turning our life completely over. I don't have no problem obeying him. Whatever you want from me. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus is an example in the flesh. That's, he's an example. He says, listen, I'm living as an example for you because I have laid aside my divinity. Catch it? Jesus lays aside his divinity to be led by the Spirit for the purpose of fulfilling and bringing glory to the Father. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? He shows us how to do it. Obedience. So he says, listen, y'all. Listen, I, I, listen, be obedient. I will ask the Father, and he's going to give you the counselor. The counselor. You got to catch this. You can roll right by it. He says, I will give you another counselor. Remember the verse I gave you? Jesus is a counselor. That's what Jesus is doing when he was here with the disciples. He's counseling them about the kingdom of God. He's bringing them counsel, not just teaching, but counsel from the kingdom because when we enter into the kingdom, we have access to everything in the kingdom. And we're not even using it. And then look what he says. He says, Catch this, the counselor to be with you forever. Huh? The counselor to be with us forever. Um, what does that mean? Here's how I'm going to explain that. Only you know if you have received Christ. The confidence, I know that I received Christ. Okay. If you receive Christ, that means the Holy Spirit's in you. Because how do you, re how do you get into the kingdom? Through Christ. Didn't Jesus say, I'm gonna, there's going to be one who's going to baptize? You're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? Well, what is that? Entrance into the kingdom? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who brings us into the kingdom. How is it accessed? Jesus is the door. Jesus provided the door, which was the cross. There had to be forgiveness of sin. That's where the door is open through Jesus. But the Holy Spirit brings us to the point of understanding that, wait a minute, I'm in need of Jesus. When I receive Jesus into my, not just my heart, my life, now I'm showing God that I love him. And what happens? Enter into that kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And then after Jesus is gone, the Holy Spirit resides in me to do what? To be the extension of what Jesus is, and he wants to be me to be conformed into the image of his son. That's the Father. The Holy Spirit, we need to understand his identity, which is what we see here. 
We need to understand his work, which we see in chapter 16 of John. And then in Romans 8, verses 1 through 7, what do we see there? We see the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is. Because the Holy Spirit is Jesus living in us. Jesus says that. So as we continue, we just about finished. What does he say? He says that, listen, guys, you, you've seen me. You see the Father. He says, I'm, I don't want you to be orphans. That's why I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Because you're born again. See, Jesus is also called our brother. It's through our big brother that we have entrance and gain, and we gain entrance into the Father. You, you heard the story of the little boy who wanted to see the king. This little boy wanted to go into the castle to see the king. And so he goes up, and the guard's there, and the little asks, can I get in to see the king? I'd like to see him. And the guard says, we don't know who you are. We can't let you in. It doesn't work that way. So the boy's sad. And he's walking away. And he's discouraged. And his head's down. And this other boy comes up to him. He says, what's wrong? He says, I wanted to get in to see the king, but I wasn't allowed. The boy says, come with me. So he goes. He's walking across the bridge. And the guard's there. He walks past the guard into the castle, and the boy's like puzzled. And he asked him, how could you just come in like that? He says, because I'm the son of the king. He was able to get access to the king because of the son. That's how he entered the castle. It's the same way with us. The son who's Jesus, he brings us <laughs> to see the king because we can't enter no other way. We have to go through the son. And when we go through the son, we have access to everything in the castle. Amen. And the church is quiet. Mm. All righty. Then what happens? So we no longer orphans. Jesus talks to them about some other things, and, and then he goes on. And then Judas asks the question. And Judas says this. Lord, why do you intend to show us yourself to us and, and not to the world? He says, the world can't know me. Because the only way to know me is through the Spirit. They don't have access to the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, you're able to know me. If they never gain entrance into the kingdom through the Holy Spirit, they can't know who I am. That's what he tells them. And then Jesus replied, anyone who loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we, look, look, at, this, look at the language. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Didn't I tell you that earlier? He makes his home in us, the Father and the Son, in us through the Spirit. Who's in us then? The Godhead. 
The Godhead lives in us, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why when we pray, we can pray to the Father or to the Son. It really doesn't matter because they're the same. But when we pray, Jesus says, pray in my name. Why? Because in his name is the authority. (laughs) When we ask anything in his name, those who are believers, but here's, guess what? When we obey him, we know what he wants. When we are in fellowship with him, he tells us what we need, and we ask him what he's revealing to us because he gives us what we ask for because it's his will. Lord, I want that new car. Lord, I want that husband. Is it his will? See, that's the key, y'all. See, when I'm close to God, he's going to reveal stuff to me. He's going to illuminate stuff to me. He's going to show me. And then I pray what he's, what he's already shown me to pray for. And then he gives me the answer. And then he says, I need to close. <laughs> then he says, you know what, y'all? I'm going to give you peace. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. What, what kind of peace is he talking about? He said, it's not the peace of the world. It's the peace that we have that's in the kingdom in Jesus that we have access to because of the cross. See, when we as unbelievers receive forgiveness from God, from our sin, it now places us into the kingdom of God where we have access to the Prince of Peace. Shalom in the Hebrew, wholeness, wellness, completeness. Listen to those words, completeness and wholeness. In my emotional state, in all the stuff that I deal with in this world, I have access to be whole. Why? Because my healing comes through Jesus, who's able to make me whole. That's where my peace is. So here in John chapter 14, we see the Trinity, and we see the function of each member. There's one thing that Jesus says that I just want to make clear, because it can be confusing. He says that the Father is greater than he is. What does that mean? He's not saying that the Father is better or that they're, they're limited. What he means by that statement is that he's getting ready to be humiliated when he goes to the cross and that the Father is in a position of glory and Jesus no longer is in a position of glory but to bring glory to his Father because of his humiliation. Notice what Jesus is doing. He's being obedient to the Father unto death to bring glory to the Father. 
And what were we designed to do to bring glory to the Father? Let's listen to Jesus. Father, for your word, we thank you, Lord, that through your spirit, we're able to understand it because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And Lord, as we leave out here today, I pray that we will have gotten a glimpse of how you are able to, to be there for us and to meet us at every point of our issues. Everything that we deal with, Lord, you want us to be able to overcome because you are the Prince of Peace. Let us live in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.